Gun line, gun line, gun line. Fire mission coming down. Damn, I had a brain fart right there. I'm your host, Lopez, and you're listening to the On the Gun Line podcast, episode number 300, baby, episode number 300. And today with me, I have two very, um, I want to say, two people that I know that I'll be able to give me um, a good education in a way regarding um, their points of view on a certain topic, for example, like the economy. All right. Today's topic, we're going to be discussing the economy, specifically the minimum wage, uh, you know, because sometimes on the field we, we get deep, you know, we might be, you know, in the 13th series, but we don't just pull string, go boom. You know, we, we, we want to know where our money's going, <laughs> damn it. No, shit. Uh, so with that being said, I got Ocampo's here and Duke. They're going to be here joining me. We're going to have a discussion uh, just like we did out in the field, y'all. So Duke, welcome. Campos, welcome. And um, we'll just I'll just go ahead and, and give it a crack. So check it. The minimum wage, y'all. I was thinking about this shit now uh, because I saw that it was supposed to be going up in certain places uh, coming up this year, 2024. I'm not sure if I that was 100% or not, if it was state by state or federal. But um, I pulled up, all right, uh, what the federal minimum wage is. And y'all. I don't know who they expect to live off of this, but at um, for example, what state do you live in, Duke? Oklahoma. Oklahoma. All right, Oklahoma. And you live in Nebraska, right, or in Iowa? I live in Iowa, but I work in Nebraska. Okay. Okay. I mean, they're right next to each other, pretty much, right? But um, I wish I could make this bigger so y'all could see it. But um, let's go ahead and start off with something in the eyes. Iowa, your minimum wage is $7.25. All right. And then Okie over here, $7.25. And then Texas, $7.25. All right. I did some quick math while, you know, we were having some audio and technical issues earlier. And it turns out that that comes up to $1,160 a month. That's before taxes, y'all. Um, hopefully, you don't have a family just, you know, making minimum wage because y'all ain't going to eat. You know what I'm saying? I think that rent alone will take all of your money. Um, so I think that the federal minimum wage either should be abandoned but at the same time that leads me to believe that people would take advantage of those like you know that come over here and um and not pay them the proper dues i guess i mean i don't know so let's start with uh with duke uh if you don't mind since i see you on top on, on my list duke where do you stand on the federal minimum wage what are your thoughts on it so like uh I understand that there there is people that have no other choice but then to go and find a job regardless of what it is like they don't have any education any experience and maybe they're in you know their early 20s or their early 30s or whatever it is and they they got to go work and so that is their only option but <clears throat> I don't want to like talk circles, but like, so 
my wife is in management and mm-hmm. she um she works for loves i i don't know if you guys know what loves is mm-hmm. um you're talking about the the, the loves are the, the truck stations right yeah yeah so she works for loves and um even like her lowest employees they make more than minimum wage they in oklahoma they're making like 13 dollars an hour okay. to like to to run a cash register and make sandwiches or pizzas or fried chicken or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And so she's a manager. So she sees that directly. And generally most of the people that work for her are um, like young, like underage, like they're in high school or they are elderly. And they're already in the state of Oklahoma making more than minimum wage. So then the minimum wage of 725. I don't think that is ever intended on like me or you or anyone else to survive off of. I think that is intended on like you are under 18 you are going to high school you're working part-time okay and you're you're just going to work i think that adults that don't have any other option are kind of funneled into that that same bracket because and i don't know what the answer for that is i don't right. i don't know what the 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 fix for that problem is because that is a problem where it's i'm a grown man i have no skills or abilities because i made bad decisions or not even made bad decisions just am not just didn't pursue any any specific thing to help me so right. Now, how do I provide for my family working at McDonald's? So I think that, and this is just my opinion, but how do we fix that problem of we do have a class of people, a group of people that haven't been able to better themselves in a sense. I don't mean to sound cold hearted, but like they just they didn't want to go to college or they didn't want to pursue a trade. They just wanted to do something. Um, and they're working these, some of these people are working 40 plus hours a week, mm-hmm. but they're working 40 plus hours a week at a job that was intended for high school students. Agreed. Not- so if you don't mind, um, I'll cut you off a little bit here. I think that um, what it boils down to, and like you said, it's not trying to sound heartless, but it's the reality that you're going to get minimum pay for minimum effort, minimum you know, uh, intellect needed, I guess, per se, uh, for that job. You know what I'm saying? So it's not that you're being harsh about it. It's just the realities, you know? Yeah. Um, so I get what you're saying. And to like expand on that, not to cut anyone off. No, no, no. My, my wife, she is in management and I think she's on salary, but like equivalent to like, what she makes hourly is like $28 an hour. And she said that when they get people that are older and that want to do more and pursue uh, more into the company, like 
they they take those people and they don't pay them minimum wage they pay them quite a bit more almost almost twice minimum wage to begin with but they they immediately start like um grooming them for management positions they right. they they immediately are like oh you're you're like a normal person that just had like a bad hand in this whole thing now let's let's train you teach you about management and then like promote them within the company and it's so all I, about like oh go ahead go ahead no i was gonna say so it's kind of like based on potential so uh let yes. me um let me uh, bring uh, Campos into this. Campos, uh, what are your thoughts on the minimum wage? I know you were telling me off air uh, when we talked, you know, you have um, a different way to, to look at it. Now, I don't know what that is. I can't wait to hear it because Campos, one thing about Campos, like he's a very outside the box thinker is what I've come to realize. But it, everything that he does say, it makes a lot of fucking sense. So give it to us, Campos. What is your uh, thoughts on minimum wage? Okay, so the first off, the thing I want to start off with is that we have to understand the transformation that our economy has went through from where we're at now to where it was over a hundred years ago. Um, where we're at now, we're in an economy. Um, some people may call it a capitalist, uh, capitalist economy. Some people may call it a corporate economy, but we're in an economy now where we're, uh, corporations are getting bigger, smaller, small businesses, locally owned businesses are getting smaller and we're losing them. And with that said, what that means is, is we're having a society where more people are turning into workers and their livelihood is based on a wage instead of ownership. And if you go back 50 years ago, like, or in, and some of us who are older, think back to when we were kids, how many locally, old, uh, locally owned businesses that we saw in town. We don't see that anymore. Um, I remember when I was a kid, I didn't see a Walmart in every city and every town in the country. I didn't see McDonald's and Burger King wasn't everywhere, but that's what we're living in. And if you go back 50 years ago and you talk to your grandparents to what, what it looked like when they were kids, and if you go back 100 years ago. Um, mm -hmm. So that's very, very important to understanding it uh, alone because, you know, you go back 100 years ago, you know, you didn't have everybody making a wage. Everybody's not like it is today. Everybody, their livelihood is based on an hourly clock of wage. You know, yet a lot of, you know, the family farms were smaller and they were owned by the family farm. That's what your livelihood was based on of, off of is that you produced, you created your livelihood right. was based on a wage. Now it's becoming more corporate. So now all those farms that are producing, they're hiring people. So basically you're a subject, you're, a, you're, you're subject to a wage instead of owning and producing. Um, same thing with businesses. Businesses are getting bigger. Um, so with that said, uh, what I have to go into the, the second part I have to explain is basically the different types of businesses. You have corporate businesses and then you have sole proprietorships and partnerships that are not incorporated. They're businesses that are directly owned by a person or individual or individuals. And the full liability is on that person or persons in a partnership. So with a corporation, a corporation is a privilege that it separates the assets of a business and the people who own it um, and so what that does it's a privilege so then that privilege with those businesses that are incorporated are able to produce in the marketplace at a competitive advantage and then normally what comes out of that is monopolization and then you have businesses that employ 500 to 100 to 500 workers in a, in a uh, factory and 
depending on the structure of the business, such as a publicly traded business, uh, corporation, which is trade on the stock market, its sole existence is profit. And so in order to get a profit, sometimes that may mean, well, we need to cut wages or we need to let people go. And as a kind of reaction, people unionize. So with with that explanation, and I could go more, but I don't want to go all day. We can talk more. <laughs> Bro, I'll that, tell you what right now. <laughs> let me let me just cut you off real quick. I want to say something. Speaking with you guys, I feel like, okay, I'm the dumb one. And then I go to Duke. Duke is like the, the college guy. You know, he went to like, you know, state university. And then Campos over here is breaking that shit like Harvard style. Like he's telling you, you know, why this shit is that way. Damn, bro. I mean, you make me feel retarded, but at the same time, it's teaching me. So I appreciate it. You know what I'm saying? So um, let me try to bring this down a little bit more. Um, let me ask you. For those that say that um, that when you raise the minimum wage, you're also raising the price of goods in the economy. Is that true or not true? Campos. So, yes, it is true. Um but let me let me answer. I'm sorry, question. you were gonna say, bro. I didn't mean to cut you off. You know well, what? I didn't, go back to your, your thought. Go ahead. So I gave I gave the explanation, but I didn't give I didn't answer the question that you originally asked. If, if what do I think about the minimum wage? So with my explanation, like, oh okay. Basically, the minimum wage with the system with the current economic system we live in is is both bad and good. It's bad because as with your question you just asked, yes, it does in turn raise uh, causes them to raise prices because they have to make up for it. And it's also bad in the sense that um, you raise the minimum wage and it affects all businesses. So uh, a company like Amazon, Starbucks, Target, Walmart, they can afford a, a raise in the minimum wage. They can afford that. But your right. small uh, mom and pop store down the street that's a small locally owned business that is subject to that law as well, they can't afford the, the minimum wage to be raised to like $15, $20 an hour. And you're really starting to right. see this in cities like Seattle and Portland, where they the cities have raised their wages so high, it's causing small businesses to go under. And of course, Starbucks, even though they may complain about it a little bit, they'll also behind the scenes they're all for it because they know it stomps out their competition and they know that they can afford it. And even though it's a higher, even though in the short term it's a uh, higher expense on them because they have to pay higher wages. In the long term, it's going to benefit them because now their competition has gone and now everybody has to work for Starbucks and Walmart and Target. And so let me it's but, um, let me let me let me let me let me uh, ask something real quick, if you all don't mind to both. Yeah. Um, well, let's be real. I mean, these jobs for a barista, that's not meant to be yeah. a permanent fucking job. Same thing like with what Duke was saying. McDonald's was not meant to be a career. Yeah. You know what I mean? That was like for those uh, high school kids to get a summer job, get some work experience yeah. under their belt or, you know, while they're still living with their parents and whatnot. But I don't think I mean, I think that they're going to end up boycotting but, themselves to to um, to pretty much an extinction. Because I've seen now where you just go up to a, a, a panel on the side of the fucking yeah. window and you order what you want right there, bro, and then they just bring it up to you. So that's one less yeah. job right there, one less cashier. What do y'all think about that? Well, I mean, for people in general, I mean, it's gonna it allows places like McDonald's to not hire, you know, people. But the thing is, is also with what you said, and your I guess in your question in regards of 
like barista or working at McDonald's wasn't supposed to be meant to be, you know, forever. But the problem is, is that because of monopolization, uh, with like Walmart and Target, which is everywhere, and McDonald's, Burger King, that's everywhere. I mean, that's all that's start. We're getting to a point that that's all that's left. And so then, if you want to work anything outside of that, you have to basically get a degree. You basically have to get a uh, bare minimum associate's degree or a college degree if you want to move up. Otherwise, you're going to be forced to work at places like McDonald's because they're the only places that are going to be able to accept you without having one because that's all there is. Hmm. What do you think, Duke? So, like, I, I I don't know what you guys do for work or anything, but retired. Um, retired. Um, well, so since I've been out of the military, right? I I got out of the military and I immediately got a job as a pipe fitter, making twenty three dollars an hour. Um. And I didn't know anything about pipe fitting. I just knew people in the right places. Um, but so I started pipe fitting. But I did know, uh, I did have like a background in construction out the rip. Like I built houses before I joined the army. Mm-hmm. Like I could frame houses and make $1,000 a week uh, effectively and efficiently and profitably before I ever joined the army, before I even turned 20 years old. Um, so as a fucking teenager, I was, was able to make quite a bit of money because of my choices. So regardless of that, then I joined the army, I get out, I'm a pipe fitter. I do that for a little while. No idea what I'm doing as a pipe fitter, but I learn how to do it. And then I get my CDL and then I go and I drive trucks and I drive trucks for a little while and I fucking um, feel like I'm extremely overworked as a truck driver. Like, I don't know how hard you guys have ever worked in your entire careers, but I will say as a truck driver, working for a huge corporation um i was working for the biggest um flatbed company in the united states as a truck driver uh and i was i was working so much that i when i started that job i lost weight you know what i mean like i yeah so as a truck driver i lost weight and i made really good money but um, I was way overworked. I worked so much. So then um, I quit for other reasons that we can get into later. And I started doing security. Security is a shitty job. I don't recommend it for anyone getting out of the military. Don't do security. And I did it for a very short amount of time. And then I went to go work for my uncle who is a truck driver and he owns multiple trucks and I made like a decent amount of money as a truck driver working for my uncle. But then I bought my own truck and I became uh, an owner operator and I worked for myself. So I know what it's like to own a business. And I did that until my father died. And then when my father died, I quit and I came to where I'm at now, 
so um, I came to where I'm at now, and now I'm working for my father's old boss, making well over the minimum wage, mm-hmm. just doing construction, and I'm completely happy with where I'm at. Even though, like, when I was driving a truck, I would make a thousand dollars a day, like literally a thousand dollars a day. But I had so many expenses to go along with that. And so like we're, we talk about the minimum wage, but we talk about what it's like to be a truck driver. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't even touch a load unless it paid me a thousand dollars a day. So like, I wouldn't touch a load if I couldn't pick it up, drive it and deliver it the same day and still make a thousand dollars. Like, well, just to, uh, to, to add to this real quick, just a quick question, but with truck drivers, though, truck driving itself, they they don't get affected by the minimum wage because they get traveled. They get paid by on based on the mileage, right? Yeah. So they get and the paid. Load. Yeah. And so that's like the whole like thing that I'm trying to push is like, so I've, I've, not just the world i've been all over the world i've been all over the united states i've been from the east coast to the west coast i've been in new york i've been to the top bottom of california i've been all the way up north i've been all the way down south i've been on the border of canada and i've i've drove along the southern border of texas like i've i've literally been everywhere in the united states mm-hmm. um and while I was doing that, like I would see signs at Taco Bell hiring people at $16 an hour. So Taco Bell is hiring high school students at 17 years old for $16 an hour all across the United States. McDonald's, my brother worked at McDonald's last year. I don't know what my, my brother is doing now, but last year my brother was working at McDonald's as just a normal guy making $18 an hour in Oklahoma. So even though that was my next thing. Mm -hmm. So even though the minimum wage is seven 25 in Oklahoma, that's not what these corporations are paying. They're paying significantly more. I still don't think that you like, I think that if you are a young high school student, maybe even potentially like early college and you don't have any experience and you're looking for your first job, you shouldn't expect more than minimum wage. Like, right. because that's not your forever career. I have a sister that's in law school that makes fucking way more money than I am. And she's in college as a law student. And she fucking makes a shitload of money working at uh, interns, internships, and she's making money at internships. She graduates next year, or she graduates 2024, so she graduates this year. Nice. So, so hopefully, well, that's going to be a lot of debt that she's going to be into. Uh, let me bring Campos into this. Uh, Campos, uh, when, maybe you might know this, but when was the uh, when was the minimum wage thought up of, and how was it supposed to benefit us, you know, as Americans? So, so it was implemented in 1938. It's actually, uh, there was a law that was passed in 1933 by FDR, but it got ruled unconstitutional. And so the, the next law that was passed under the Fair Standards Act, I think it was called, 
1938. And so that's what basically put into the federal minimum wage that we, we have today. Um, so, and I go back to, again, with that history, we have to understand that the industrial revolution or industrialization in the United States really took off after the Civil War. Um, after the Civil War, that's when all these uh, uh, laws started getting passed uh, that uh, liberalized corporate entities. Uh, and then it gave rise to people like uh, J.P. Morgan, John D. Rockefeller, the Carnegie's, all those people um, during that time period. Some people call it, some people call them captains in history. Some people call them Robert Barons. But mm -hmm. it was because of those uh, liberalizations of corporate laws and entities is allowed for that. So once we start having a society where businesses are now employing 500 people into a factory um, and they're based on your livelihoods, based on a wage. Uh, unions start to, uh, as a counter reaction to that, unions evolve as a counter reaction. Okay. And so, during that, so then throughout that time period, and all the way up to FDR, and FDR is considered probably the most progressive president that we've ever had, um, as a counter reaction through that industrialization, that's why they implemented the, uh, the uh, minimum wage, the Federal Minimum Wage Act. It's a, basically a counter reaction to the industrialization. Or I like to say corporatization of of the country, um, and like I said, it's a good and bad thing. Uh, I've mentioned the bad things that and cause the good thing about it is is that if you don't have when you have corporations that exist and people's livelihood are based on wages, right? Corporations are are going. I mean, if you don't have that safety net in place, they're going to pay people at very low wages. Um, I mean, that's just the reality. I mean, you see it right now. I mean, one of the reasons why corporations are so welcome to getting people here illegally, um, you know, legal aliens, is because right. they're hiring those people so cheap and they're paying them under the table. They're, they're able to pay those people cheap um, because they know they're not going to defend themselves because they're here illegally. Well, what, you know, what are they going to do? And then, two, they, they can also pay them under the table without paying federal income tax, Social Security, all this other stuff. So that's a prime example currently right now of where corporations, if they if they if they're not if their hands are not tied, they will pay you really, really low if they have the ability to. So, I mean, um, what are y'all thoughts on? What sh if there was a standard that should be, um, should it be based on the state? Kind of like the way I see it here. I mean, 725 is not going to be enough anywhere. I don't think, honestly, uh, uh, a fair living. You know, um, and I get Duke's point as well, you know, as far as like, hey, you know what? You made your choice. You're going to make what you make because of the choices that you made. You're responsible for, you know, uh, your your own outcomes. Right. So but with that, I mean, 725, I oh, fuck, I, I just don't even know where the fuck that so, could be possible to live so, in. bro. Not even so, in bumfuck uh, Kentucky. Out in the Ozarks, I think is a it's livable. Go ahead. So 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 just like, are you familiar with the concept of uh, supply and demand? It's a, it's yes. a basic concept. I've heard of, of it. Economics. Okay. Let me let, let me rephrase it. I've heard of it, and I know it's like every time I hear somebody talk about okay. the economy, it's supply and demand. So yes. the higher supply you have of something, of a product or anything, mm -hmm. uh, the higher supply of it, the 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 price of it will go down. And then the higher demand will cause the price of it to go up as well. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes it fluctuates, okay, depending on what's higher, the demand, the supply that's higher. Right. And so you have to apply the same thing to wages. When there's a, a higher supply of workers, 
Uh, and again, in our, if our society is based on wages and, and working, having a job instead of ownership, uh, then de depending on the supply in that, in that particular economy is going to determine what the wages are going to be. For example, McDonald's, McDonald's and Burger King and fast food is uh, mentioned. I used to work out an oil field. Uh, this is back in 2018 in Odessa. And at that time, like where I'm at now in most places, fast food probably paying like $9 an hour starting. Mm -hmm. In Odessa, it was paying, we're talking $16, $17 an hour starting because the at McDonald's and fast food was so hot in Odessa, Texas, because <sighs> the oil field was booming. There was such a demand for it and the supply right. of workers were so low because nobody didn't want to work for McDonald's because everybody wanted to work for the oil field, which they're making $2,000 a week. Why would you work for McDonald's when they, when the oil field high in Odessa? And so it all it all depends on the supply and demand. And so that's why McDonald's and Burger King had to pay their workers starting $16, $17 an hour when everybody else around the country is probably like, you know, nine, $9 an hour because of the supply and demand. So, I mean, check this out. Over here, they have in and out right? They just opened up in and out um, yeah. a couple of years ago here in Texas. And they're starting their, their work is like around 18 bucks an hour to flip burgers and shit yeah. like that, bro. You know, yeah. and this is in Texas. Now, the one thing about Texas yeah. is the cost of living here is fucking cheap. You know what I mean? Yep. Now, yep. when they start doing shit like that, does it cause the economy to start going up? Or not the economy, but the cost of living. Does that get affected as well then? You know, like when people, like if somebody's making six, 18 bucks an hour, how does that affect uh, like somebody who's in a more professional business? You know what I mean? That okay, I'll give you an example. Yeah. When I first got out the army, I was working at a, as a, as a as a what's that shit called? Um, fuck, man. Telemarketer. No, I was a, I was working at a, not telemarketing, but oh. I was a, a inbound call center uh, to file claims. Okay. Fifteen bucks an hour. Okay. Fifteen bucks an hour. It was a big change in in pay uh, from you know yeah. making what we were in the military to out here. Regardless, though, when I found out that motherfuckers at HEB pushing carts were making the same amount as yeah. me, I was kind of pissed the fuck yeah. off, you know. And then, yeah. um, put on top of that, I'm bilingual, so I started getting paid bilingual pay. So, and then, yeah. show sure enough, they made the um, uh, at the, the place I was working at, they made it uh, a, a, a starting of 21 bucks an hour, you know what I'm saying? So now. Yeah. No matter who comes in at this office or at this uh this business, they're gonna start off at twenty one dollars an hour to answer a fucking phone, all right, and file a claim. Yeah, twenty one dollars an hour. Me being a translator who's supposed to or you know to have um these specific skill sets, how is that fair to me? I'm only making four dollars extra more now. You know what I mean? For a skill set that's supposed to be you know uh pretty high demand. I don't know. I mean, it, 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 yeah, it kind of fucks everything up, doesn't it? And then it makes the cost of around so, the area where you live at go up too, doesn't it? Or am it, I just it, like that? Depends. That all depends on the. Oh, go ahead, Duke. Oh, so I'll, I'll listen for a second, but oh, okay. I, um, cost of living, um, yeah. minimum wage does affect it, but like one thing. My wife and I were just discussing is like, so she works in Eufaula, which is a lake town. And 
I'm from Colorado Mm -hmm. where there's lots of ski towns Mm -hmm. and like the price of, so just take Colorado as as an example, minimum wage in Colorado is, I don't know. You have the statistic. You tell me. $14 and 42 cents right now in Colorado. $14 $14 and 42 cents. So I just got off before I came on and had all the technical issues. Mm-hmm. Um, I was before that I was on the phone with my uncle and my nephew, my 18 year old nephew that's in mm-hmm. Colorado got a job working construction as a laborer. He has no experience at all mm-hmm. when level. entry level. And when I was his age and I started doing construction, I made $10 an hour. That was in two, like when I got out of high school was 2012. So in 2012, I was making $10 an hour. And in 2011, when I, I don't know what the minimum wage was then, but in 2011, when I would go and work summers at the same job, I would make $5 an hour. So from the time that I graduated to the time that I was in high school, I got a you know, I went from five to $10 an hour. So anyways, with that, um, in Colorado, my nephew that has no idea what he's doing about working construction. I taught him how to read a tape measure like three months ago to read a tape measure. And he's making $18 an hour working construction in Colorado. $18 an hour as a dude that is not expected to know anything. When I was in Colorado as like, okay, you know how to do some things. We don't know you. We'll start you out at $25 an hour. That's what they were going to start me out at in Colorado before I came here to live with my wife was $25 an hour. Just, just because I know how to read a tape. I know how to run a saw like, like, I'm not saying that I'm the best carpenter in the world, but I'm probably at least average, if not slightly above. And they were like, we'll pay you 25 an hour. My so, nephew. So mm-hmm. like the minimum wage thing, I get it, like why it's an issue. But then at the same time, I don't get it because it's like, everyone's like, Oh, minimum wage, minimum wage. And like these corporations don't want to pay it. But like, I know for a fact, my wife in Oklahoma right now is hiring people for over $13 an hour when minimum wage is seven twenty-five, mm-hmm. And they're, they're, they're hiring them to do the minimum. Like they're not required. And she is a man. She's in management. She's right. She's well, hiring. Like you said, minimum wage is usually for the entry level, right? Yeah. And, so you know, it's like. You, well, you, you touched on something. You touched on something that I, I know that uh, com- I wanted Campos to to start speaking on. And I think uh, his eyes kind of lit up uh, when when um, you mentioned it, like people arguing about the minimum wage. And earlier uh, we were talking about, was it the paradigm uh, left and the right or something like that you were calling it? Campos? Yeah, false left, right paradigm. False left, right paradigm. All right. So basically, uh, if you could just false go ahead and break right down paradigm. what that is. So basically the false left-right paradigm is basically creating two sides against each other, okay? In the in our country, we have a two-party system, which this is the best example of it. Uh, we have Democrat, Republican. 
Uh, one will get elected in office. At the same time, they're taking the freedoms and justice away from everybody. The other people get in office and they do the same thing. And then they just basically go back and forth, back and forth. Um, and then sometimes when it comes to an issue, such as minimum wage, they both make good legitimate arguments. Uh, at the same time, when you implement one side, it's going to benefit people. But at the same time, it's also going to uh, affect people in a negative way. Vice versa with the other side. That's why when it comes to the false left right paradigm, this issue is a, a good example of that. Because with minimum wage, when you raise it, like I said, you have people who are working very low wages for the, some of these big corporations or, or whatnot. And so you raise the minimum wage, people like that are going to benefit from it. It's going to help them. They're going to benefit from it. But at the same time, when you raise it, especially when you raise it really high, small locally owned businesses can't afford that, like McDonald's, Burger King, and Target and all that, because they got the money. They got the millions of dollars in the bank. Mom and pop down the street, they don't have that. So you see how it benefits people, but at the same time, it doesn't. So then you go, you look on the other side. Let's say if we don't have the minimum wage. What, well, what's going to happen is you are going to have corporations who are going to take advantage of that. You're going you're to have corporations hiring people very low. Um, and again, this all depends on the supply and demand. If they, if they know, if corporations know that they can go to another town or another country and bust hundreds of people over here and pay them $4 an hour, they'll do it. Because it's going because at the end of the day it's going to benefit their bottom line, and then guess what? All the local people it hurts them because now they can't get a job because oh the corporations say well you can work can work for us who's going to work for four dollars an hour five dollars an hour but you know someone down this you know someone in another state or town or another country who they can bust in they'll be willing to do it especially if they're from another country where the uh, um, the dollar the uh, their their currency is worth less. Because even if they're getting paid, you know, four dollars an hour, that currency in their country is probably worth, worth way more, and they can buy more stuff with it. And so, it all, you, at the you, end of the day, it comes um, comes down to supply and demand. Gotcha. So let me ask y'all something, uh, Duke. How uh, how versed are you with crypto? Uh, so I'm not. I'm not versed with crypto. I I don't I don't like crypto. Um, and I have a reason for it, and uh, I don't want to go into that unless you want to, but, um, like, just go whatever you, uh, I'll say well, no, what I was going to say, what I was going to, so what I was going to say was because, um, like a lot of, um, companies I think are going to start turning towards crypto. Like, you know, there's going to be a lot of, uh, or not just crypto, but it seems like that's the way that the government wants everything to start going to is like All a cashless society. I think that's the the and I don't know uh maybe Campos will know more than I do. I think that is almost in the works of being a requirement. Um that like the United States wants to move towards that completely and from what I know is there's or from what I've seen is there's a time limit on it. Like they are trying to move to that completely 100%. Thoughts, Campos? What do you so think, Campos? Cryptocurrency is, is horrible. It's probably is, is bad. Um, so, what the government, so what the Federal Reserve and the government is trying to do is they, they want us to go into a cashless society because it puts more control into their hands. Um, because at the end of the day, all they have to do is create, they no longer have to create money just by with paper, which is bad itself. All they got to do is just type in a few numbers on the computer and inflate the money supply um so that's the goal hopefully we don't ever go to that but the problem is is that with that argument 
there's people who want to they think that the alternative to fight that would be private cryptocurrency which that in itself is horrible we've already seen um uh money on laundering with it we've already seen right um uh two or three people what would he call it a ponzi scheme i've already done ponzi, mm-hmm. ponzi schemes with it we've already seen people lose money uh, but not that i always keep things to base to the basic mm-hmm. i will never ever support any form of currency that is man-made whether that be the government creating federal reserve notes or the federal reserve creating federal reserve notes or private uh cryptocurrency this it's all man-made i will never accept anything because if you allow your economy to be based on that you're allowing individual people to control the the money supply through inflating it either not creating creating it or or creating more of it all right um and that can, I, that can lead to devastating things to the economy as well as individual people so my question is like okay I'm not well versed at all on the Federal Reserve. I know it's a bank yeah. that uh, yeah. the government borrows money from, but yes, it's our own fucking money. Yeah, and then it charges itself interest, right? Yeah. Why the yeah. fuck do we just have a Federal Reserve? I don't, I don't, I don't understand it. So, so since you're asking that question i'll go real quick so this this goes back to the original debate between alexander hamilton and and, and uh thomas jefferson at the beginning of the country um alexander hamilton wanted it because he wanted a corporate style society because you can't have a corporate society without without a central bank um okay. thomas jefferson didn't want it because he understood that it's a system that benefits the few at the expense of many he wanted a, a society as stated in the constitution you know we the people um, and with the federal, with the central banking system, you don't have that. You basically have, from their perspective, you have basically a elitist society like there was back in old Europe. Um, right. And that's why we broke away from Europe is to get away from that. Well, Alexander Hamilton wanted that, so it wasn't implemented. It, it was dissolved. We got rid, we got rid of it. Then there was a second central bank, uh, and Andrew Jackson fought against it. He got rid of that, um, and then. Uh, then you go fast forward to 1913 with the creation of the federal reserve act and the federal reserve system um and the federal reserve didn't have the power that it has today from when it was created in 1913. the power that it has today was an increment incremental um progress that's happened since then so like when it was created it was created to be the lender of last resort for banks but now it's turned Mm. into because of the fact that fdr has taken us off the gold standard and then we were, the government was still on the gold standard up until 1971 with Richard Nixon. And then Nixon took us mm-hmm. off that. And so when he did that, that gave full 100% power to the Federal Reserve in, in regards to the creation of the money supply. Gotcha. And so basically what the Federal Reserve is, it's a private bank. Uh, we don't know who the owners is because it's never been fully audited, never. And it's existed. Uh, it only got a partial of an audit in 2011. Thank you. Thanks to Ron Paul um <laughs> and we found out boy. horrible things from just that um but then um so we don't know who actually exactly who all the owners are we just know that they're the banks and it's a privately owned bank and with the government forcing everybody to use federal reserve notes we have to use their currency and so every dollar that they print is basically a loan to the federal government which can never be repaid um and so but the but the the problem is and the only thing the federal reserve does is it prints money and the only reason why it has the ability to control interest rates is because mm-hmm. we are forced to use federal reserve notes if the government didn't force us all to use federal reserve notes 
they would have no power whatsoever when it comes to uh, uh, interest rates. It's only, so, it's only because of the fact that we're forced to use it. It allows so, them to have that control on interest rates. So, okay, let me ask you. Um, becoming a cash society, yeah. I'm sure all three of us are yeah. not in favor of that, right? Or, I mean, we want to have something tangible versus just having yeah. all control on a card. But it seems that everything that we have as Americans, everything we pay for is on a fucking debit card. Yeah. How yeah? How hard would it be for the government to just say, "Hey, you know what? You haven't been paying your taxes. We're gonna go ahead and just freeze your account, and you can't make no payments." There you go. You know, yeah, there you go. Oh, we don't agree with the way you bid. Go ahead, Duke. What you got, baby? Uh, so sorry, I'm adjusting my phone. Um, no, that's cool, baby. I kind of have a a question, and like. I want to say a couple things. So, yeah. um, uh, so no, when you have a bank account, it's a law. I looked it up. Um, no other organization can like uh, fuck with your bank account, basically, and bleep that out. Um, so, like, if you have a car loan, your the bank that you have a car loan through can't freeze your account that's my wife hello mrs duke <laughs> she said hi um but they can't freeze your account they can't draw from your account um unless it's a credit union so a credit union can directly uh take from your if it's like you have a navy federal credit union account mm -hmm. and then you um have a navy federal credit loan um for a car or a home and you miss a payment and they know you have money in that account they can directly pull it so but like a normal bank can't do that that's that's a law that is a that's that, that is a law so um for the rest of the united states i don't know how that works my question though is um so like if we rewind back in time, we go back to like the silk. Uh, what was it? The silk trail or the silk. Silk road. Uh, silk road, the silk road, right? They were traveling on boat and they were doing all of their trades in coin. Right. Mm -hmm. So you would have this merchant that would provide a product and he would, um, he would, sell silk and spices and rum and he would collect a bunch of coins and then eventually it got to the point where he couldn't carry all of his coins because he made so much money so china said hey give us your coins and we'll give you paper money and so he gave them all of his coins and it was like it was like oh, okay we have your money this is the money that we give you that's paper is um, guaranteed, you know, so on and so forth. And that's where we came up with paper money. And then now it's building up to the point where it's like, oh, we no longer need paper money. We need digital money, which I don't agree with. I don't like digital money, but we all function off of digital money already. Our money that we're putting in a bank account is like real money. To an extent, I guess, but it's like, like 
it's, it's just there. being typed in versus being something tangible. Yeah, exactly. And so where is all of this money at? And what happens when we transition from paper money to digital money? What happens then? Like, mm. so is it the same concept of like when those people were paranoid and they were like, I'm not going to trade in all my fucking coin money for paper money. And I'm not going to trade in all my paper money. Cause I have an uncle, I have an uncle that rents houses. And, uh, my mom was like, uncle Eddie has $10,000 in cash under his bed. And I was like, $10,000 in cash is really going to do him a whole lot at, during the apocalypse. You know what I mean? Like, so it's like, why wouldn't we use our money to buy gold or silver or like, so that's kind of what I'm getting at is so regardless of whatever, I don't have the right answer and mm -hmm. I don't know who has the right answer. I'm just asking the question of like, when, when do we draw this line of like, no, these valuables are mine and I'm going to do what I want with them to, uh, yeah, let's move forward. Let's just, you know, have faith in the government and <laughs> go on. So, oh. and I don't know, I'm, I'm asking you guys almost, I guess. So oh. maybe that's not common for the guests to ask the questions, but I am asking. Oh no, dude. I mean, this is an open forum here. This is all three of us, just, you know, giving our com our conversation that you know we learn from each other i think this sounds like a campus question <laughs> so uh do you have that's an answer kind of what though? i thought too yeah yeah so okay so so the founders of this country understood the importance of uh of money and sound money okay uh they understood of course through when the american revolution happened they were printing uh continental dollar dollars where there's a term that was coined called not worth a continental because they were just printing so much of it and then it got to a point where uh merchants around the in the colonies when we were fighting the british were like i don't want that give me something else right so it's not worth the continental so they learned from their mistakes so when when the, the revolution was over and they created the country they put it in the constitution you can look it in there that should only be gold and silver that should be used as money and the problem is we we're not following the constitution um, but even back then, even afterwards, after the creation of the Constitution, I believe it was the 1791 Act, Coinage Act, that they they knew how serious it was. They made they knew how serious it was that with the with that act, they made it punishable by death for anybody who messed with the currency or tried to counterfeit. Uh, and what I mean by that is, well, how do you do that with gold and silver? Is they you have a coin, let's say a full silver coin and you take a, you know, like a knife or something sharp and then you just shave pieces off of it. So people were doing that and then not really giving an ounce, like an ounce of silver. They would give, you know, because they took off shavings and then they'd save those shavings and then melt it and then they'd use it later on. But they're lying to people basically by saying, oh, here's an ounce when it really wasn't an ounce. And so that's basically counterfeit. And the founders understood that. And that's how, that's how important it was is that it made it punishable by death. Um, so, Basically, the, the answer really what it comes down to is we just need to follow the Constitution. Be, um, you know, we're supposed to be using gold and silver. That's supposed to be our standard. You can still also have um, copper and other precious metals into it. But our standard is supposed to be gold and silver. And if it's based on that, then what will happen is you'll have a stable 
economy and you have relative price stability because uh, the, the government won't have the ability to create, you can't create gold and silver out of thin air. Uh, but whenever government wants something, they just create it out of thin air. And that's, that's why we have inflation. And the average person who doesn't understand that, you know, when, they, when the government prints a trillion dollars, you're going to see the effects of it a year or two years from now because then you're going to be paying higher prices at the grocery store because the government inflated. Well, if you have gold and silver and that's your only form of currency, the only way government can fund itself is through taxation. And people know when they're being taxed right then and there. And so that in itself is a check and balance for the people and government. Because when government wants something, they're going to have to raise taxes. You raise taxes, people are going to be aware. They're going to protest. They're going to uh, vote you out of office. And if it gets really bad, there's going to be a revolt. So like I said, in it, that in itself is a check and balance. But it's also honest. It's, it's, it's honest money. Um, you know, you can put money, you can put 10 ounces of silver away as for savings. And then guess what? 10 years from now, you're still going to be able to buy the same amount of products than you did at that time. Maybe even more as the um, uh, technology gets better. But with paper money, you, you have $1,000 in the bank. 10 years from now, you're not going to be able to buy the same amount of products that you can because the money supply has been devalued through them inflating the money supply. And that's what it comes down to is them having the ability to create that money supply out of thin air. You cannot create gold and silver out of thin air. So uh, can I say something? My, uh, yeah. my, my uncle, um, he got out of prison around like 2011 and he was just working yeah. construction and he went from like, you know, being mid-level to eventually when uh to the point of the story where i'm explaining it when i was working with him he was making probably close to a hundred thousand dollars a year he had been saving silver uh from the point that he got out of prison to the end of the story if that makes sense and um he had all of this silver that he had bought and he had put away and he had all the silver and he had just bought a new truck and it was, he was probably like a year or two into the, the loan. Mm -hmm. And he just went and this literally was 2021. He took all of that silver, deposited it, got paid for it and then paid off his truck and still had money left over. So he paid off like a $50,000 truck with silver yeah. that he had been buying since he got out of prison in 2010. Yeah. Now, see, so, the question about that is where do you buy the silver? Where do you buy the gold? You know, oh, I see a lot of commercials on it, but are they legit? You know what I mean? Because unless I have it on hand. Um, so he's I, buying I mean, silver. For me, anytime oh. I bought it. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. You go ahead. Anytime I've always bought, I always go to an actual coin store and what they sell there, what you want to buy is what's called bullion um, because you have like collector's coins that the price I'm going to step away, but you guys keep going. I'm going to step away just one second. Too easy, brother. Because of, it, because of its uh, collectible value, that's why the, the value of it's inflated because, mm -hmm. you know, it's a coin from like 200 years ago or something. What you want to buy is actual bullion that's like the creation of it. It's probably recent. Um, and it'll say on there one ounce 99 99.9 percent .9 silver 
Um, and right. you can buy it in bars. You can buy it in th bars this big. I've seen, of course, it's heavy as hell. Um, but <laughs> what I always recommend is go to a coin store and say, do you have any bullion, silver or okay. gold? Now, so uh, weren't coins made uh, of um, silver at one time? You know, like our, our cash, our yeah. coins. Yeah. They were actually made yeah. of, of silver, right? So they actually had some yeah. kind of monetary um monetary what's the word i'm looking for value value yeah as opposed to like you know cash which is unless that shit has is plated by gold like you know printed yeah. as as a gold sheet it has absolutely no value whatsoever yeah it, it's just a trip so, I, i'm really happy that you're here dude go ahead so like i said it, it's 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 been an incremental phase since the federal reserve because even when the federal reserve was created we still was on a gold and silver standard. We still had it, and we st you still had the ability where there. I, I have a five dollar. It's somewhere. I have a five dollar Federal Reserve note, or no, not Federal Reserve Treasury note, not a Federal okay. Reserve note, a five dollar Treasury note that has Abraham Lincoln. It'll say U.S. Treasury. It doesn't say Federal Reserve on it. And oh, wow. in, in the small print, it'll say this. This five dollar is re is redeemable in legal tender or sil uh, actual silver. And that's See, how, that's I what thought we had all back. of that. But I over, thought that. So I thought that that was something that we but could over do. time. Not, I mean, not anymore because because over time, it, uh, we used to have treasury notes. Governments got rid of that. Went strictly to federal reserve notes. They even with federal reserve notes at, at one time you could you could turn in gold and silver uh, or turn in federal reserve notes and get your gold and silver. But then FDR took us off the gold stand or the gold standard in '33. So then the people stopped using it. But then even then. You, we still had dimes and nickels that had some silver in it. Right. And then, and then more and more. And then, and then the, the nail in the coffin was really when Vietnam happened because with Vietnam, war is very expensive. Right. And basically, Nixon took power and he had, he basically, in the, he, had, he was put in a position where, okay, we have all these debts. We owe this much money. We've been paying this much for Vietnam. Um, and as well as all the other crap that, that the government does that, that we owe. And mm -hmm. so we either pay that back, which is almost impossible, and we're going to bankrupt, or we just take the government off the, the gold, completely off the gold standard, and we just print the money and pay the stuff off. And so it was in '71 when Nixon. That was, that was it. That was the final. Like I said, it's been an incremental phase, but that was the final. That was the final nail in the coffin. Is because uh, now it's not backed by anything. It's just it's just pure paper. It's paper that has absolutely all it has yeah. uh, to talk for is what our military might. That says you're gonna accept this shit. Forces. Go ahead, Duke. Yeah. Hey, uh, Me or him? Duke, Duke, Duke. Uh, he uh, he Go really ahead. wanted to say something. Go ahead, Duke. So I, sorry, I just uh jumped back in and I kind of was hearing some things when I left and I was hearing some things when I came back, and uh, this is another question because I've been, um, always told. Uh, not necessarily from school, but just life, some things. And I want to, I guess, get an idea if they are accurate or not, because I, uh, I've never been to college. I don't know. Um, but I'm, I'm trying to figure this out. So, um, the IRS, right? Where did the IRS come from? What I have always been under the assumption of is that the IRS came from, war and i think it was uh the civil war or earlier uh 
Lincoln, I want to say it was Lincoln, established the Civil War and he based it, or he established the IRS after the Civil War. And he said, hey, look, we, um, we're going to do this thing where the IRS and taxes are a deal um, until we pay off the debt that we have acquired during the Civil War. I could be wrong about that. Um, but then it turned into um, they we paid the debt and then the IRS was di dismissed. Like we didn't use the IRS for however many years. And then we went into another war and we needed to pay off that debt. And so the IRS became a thing again. And then I think after World War II, I don't know, don't quote me, maybe Compost knows, but then that's when the IRS became a more permanent thing was after the second round of the IRS being established. So, but then, so we talk about the gold standard and the gold standard was diminished or removed and it was like, okay, we're not going to have a gold standard anymore, but it was backed by a plan. And, and this is a question like previously, what I was stating was a question. Is that accurate? Now, this is what I'm asking is accurate. So we had the gold standard and then the gold standard was, okay, we're not going to have a gold standard anymore because the United States money is going to be backed by oil oil that we are protecting from the Middle East or like Saudi Arabia. I don't know. Don't quote me on all that, but it was like, we're going to no more gold standard because we're going to be fighting for oil and oil is going to back the dollar. So from what I understand is all oil that is traded in the world that is not traded, but, or that is bought from the Middle East, is bought in the US dollar. If you're going to buy oil from the Middle East, it is bought in the US dollar. Is that not true? Because <laughs> uh, so for the, for you. Okay, so so for the yeah, so for the most part so that that's part of the big agreement that we have with Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia is the largest exporter of oil in the world. Uh, and that's what it's based on is uh is US dollars. And then also with the fact you mentioned earlier about our military might around the world, we force countries to use our U.S. dollar, and and that's basically the U.S. dollar is considered like the unofficial international standard of currency around the world. Uh, but it's it's only based on the fact that we we force through military might basically through coercion or force everybody else to do that. Um, um, so basically, I mean, for the most part, everything is true. I mean, you're, what you're saying is true. The thing about oil is that oil is an actual commodity. Paper money is not. Um, oil is an actual commodity, so that's why that's also kind of like the standard is is oil because it's it's the largest commodity that's basically trade throughout the world and so you basically have currency which is used as a standard to, to buy it and then oil which is actually an actual commodity um gold and silver itself is a commodity but paper money is not um so yeah a lot of what you said i mean it, yeah it's true and but a lot of it just it, it all depends on our 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 military and our force and our political influence that we have around the world, because there's a lot of countries that don't want it. Um, countries and usually countries that want to get away from the uh, trading in U.S. dollars uh, are usually countries that we're we're usually enemies with, such as Iran 
in Iraq or Saddam Hussein's Iraq and, and others. Um, Gaddafi, uh, Omar uh, uh, in Egypt. And so, um, so yeah. So I don't know. Um, I don't know if that answers your question or not, but I mean, feel free. Like I said, open platform. Y'all go ahead and talk. I'm listening. Yeah, yeah. So that did answer my question. Is like that the the things that I have thought are correct. Um. So I feel like we're 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 like traveling in the timeline down to almost modern day of what's what's going on now so um i guess like my next question and like i feel like i shouldn't be asking the questions because it's your podcast but my next question is like so what like what happens now right like we're at this I almost feel like breaking point where we ha- we are potentially in conflict with all of these countries. We have issues with China. We have issues with Hamas, or is it Hamas the the Houthis? You know what I mean? Like we have all of these problems. Um, what, what like what do we do? Like what what is the answer? Do we just sit tight? Do you know, like the American dollar isn't worth shit. They're trying to shift oil all the way around, you know, out of the Red Sea, which is potentially going to increase the price of oil. What does that do to the the American dollar at this point? If the American dollar is backed by oil, why are, if the Houthis are attacking, like, ships and america is attacking the houthis and there's this whole war going on there i don't know if i'm saying that right the houthis but if there's that whole issue going on there and now they're they're saying that they're going to route oil not they're going to route it away from the red sea so how how is that going to affect the dollar how is that going to affect the minimum wage how is that going to affect me being out of the military how is that going to affect you guys? How is that going to affect 2024 for everyone else? You know what I mean? Like these, like Iran doesn't like us. North Korea is actively declaring war on the United States. Uh, China is saying that they're inevitably going to take Taiwan. Like these are all like crazy issues. And it's like, it all comes down to to money and oil you know what i mean like if the united states was gonna defend this like why are we even there like why are we fighting for this if the united states has the the largest oil reserves in the world in our continental united states why don't we just stop fucking with this problem and pull out and deal with our own issues and just forget about them. You know what I mean? Because we like, I have lots of family that are in the oil industry or were in the oil industry. And it's like, we don't even drill oil. And if we do drill oil, it's very minimum compared to the amount of oil that we're buying or taking from the middle East. 
when we could just separate ourselves from this problem completely. So, and this is a question. So wh mm -hmm. wh where do we go from here? Go ahead, Campos. I'll double tap um, on whatever you got, baby. So, okay. So eventually, eventually what's going to happen is whenever you have a, a paper currency where the value of it is actually zero, it will return to it. Um, and eventually, eventually the system's going to collapse. Uh, it's either going to this is what's going. It's either going to have an outright collapse through hyperinflation, or it's going to have an ending where they switch us. They create a new currency, such as like the Amero. I don't know if you've ever heard of that, or like what they've done in Europe, where you have the the euro, where they they basically gotten rid of all the uh, individual states, uh, countries' currency, and gone to another one, which creates another standard. And so, eventually, the system's going to end. It's it, it just it, the question is, is a matter of, of when. Um, or the other option is it could end is if we actually wisen up and get the right people in office and we go back to the constitution and we go back to the sound currency and we go back to the gold and silver. Um, but as of right now, I don't see that happening, but eventually it's going to end. Um, uh, when it comes to like us trading, it, I mean, that it all, that goes back to special interests i mean you have special interests of people who aren't like bush family is a good example of this they have a lot of investments in saudi oil and so halliburton which is halliburton's now uh, uh their headquarters down dubai and so um you have a lot of special interests that is they want that trade even though if we were to produce oil here it would benefit the majority of the people here and benefit you know uh, oil work it, be, it, would, it would create jobs and be a lot better for the economy but with people having special interests and then being involved in government, that's why we don't do that. And so, and so one thing you notice is that whenever the the prices of oil starts going up, the oil field uh, economy here in, in the United States actually starts booming. And, and the reason why that is is because right now, when oil is is low, when Saudi Arabia and those Middle Eastern countries are selling to us uh, pretty low, we don't drill and produce here because we can't compete with that. Once they start raising the prices. Then you'll start to notice that they start hiring again here in the United States because now, because of it being higher over there, we they can, the oil companies here can actually produce and make a profit, whereas like right now they can't. If they were to start producing, it'd be very hard because we got all these contracts and we're exclusively trading with Saudi Arabia and these other countries, and so, so it's, it's just not profitable right now when oil prices are low. I and. Um, and then like also, throw, said, also throw in, in my and also also throw in environmental uh, regulations that prevent us from drilling and, and fracking here as well. And that also contributes to it. So, from what I understand, is the United States when we are drilling oil, we are drilling it more efficiently, more cleanly, more uh, economically. Like everything about us doing oil in the United States is cleaner and better for the environment and more cost effective than it is in the rest yeah. of the world. Like in Kuwait, they just burned billions of tires just a couple months ago and they want to attack the United States for, um, they want to attack the United States for being like so harsh to the environment and so bad. But like statistically, the United States is leading the world in progressiveness and like 
we have reduced emissions more than any other country in the world right now. And like in the amount of we've reduced it, I'm not saying in the amount of that we are producing, but the amount of that we've reduced our emission footprint more than any other country in the entire world. So I like I I don't mean to sound like an asshole, but I do feel like I kind of disagree with this. Like we can't compete with our prices because when we were fracking in the United States and we were producing our own oil, we were producing better oil and it was cheaper. Yeah. Like right now, as of right now, like what is the price of gas? I just filled, I didn't fill up today, but I bought gas today and it was $2.50 in Oklahoma, which mm -hmm. is low compared to a lot of places. It was $2.50. When I was driving trucks and I was buying oil under the Biden administration, it was significantly higher than under the Trump administration. So the price of gas was lower during the Trump administration. And during the Trump administration, I had friends that were ha that had jobs and they were making good money producing oil. So I don't agree with that. The, when the Middle East decides they want to produce oil, that the price of fuel or the price of fossil fuels is cheaper because we have literally seen like contradicting evidence of that in real life all right so, so there's always there's always there's always multiple contributing factors to to an issue not just one so in regards of what they're producing more or not saudi arabia that's one contributing factor another contributing factor would be whoever's who's ever in the white house uh depending on like for example when you get trump in the white house He's going to, with his executive order that he has ability, he's going to uplift a lot of these executive orders that has to do with the environment and these regulations that prevent companies from drilling and or or paying more money or fines or, or any, any of this other stuff. So when you have a mixture of all these contributing factors, that contributes to whether the oil companies start hiring jobs, hiring, having jobs, um, producing here. Um, if it was up to me, most of all these environmental standards would be lifted because i think we should be producing it here because one if we were producing it here it's allowing us as a country to be more independent mm -hmm. and not dependent on saudi arabian oil two it's providing jobs here mm -hmm. very well paying jobs um and you know it and then overall for producing it here e eventually it is going to allow the price of gas to be very low Primary, the reason why it's not so low, it'd be lower than what it is now. It's not so low now because we don't have the ability to produce it. Once we have the ability to produce it, supply is going to go up, and so then the price is going to go down. But, you so, know, being that y'all said that now, I uh, just want to jump, drop my little two cents in here real quick. Um, dude, it's these fucking uh, tree huggers that stop the shit from actually happening here in the United States because we got to lead by example, and we got to be cleaner, and we got to do this and do that. We're going to be the only ones doing it. That's it. Nobody else is going to fucking follow suit. Yeah. You know, so, so... China's not doing that. Mm -mm. Go ahead, dude. 
uh, so my only question is like, why don't we have the uh, ability to produce it? Why why can't we produce our own oil right now? Environment, like environmental environmental laws, environmental mm -hmm. laws. So and, uh, also, whoever whoever is in position of power, you got someone like Biden who's going to favor environmentalists and the people that are supporting him in this party. He's going to do all he can with executive order to, to prevent oil companies from drilling. Yeah, so I know, I get that, but like, <clears throat> like, no offense, compost, but I almost feel like we've been arguing the same point this entire time. Um, but like, if that makes sense, like, kudos to to you because we've been like arguing the same point, and I've been like, man, I feel like we're saying the same bullshit. Y'all are, it, but uh, in different ways that people can understand. Like you bring up, and he explains the why. You see what I'm saying? So honestly, I'm. It's just like a learning experience for me, y'all, because you're asking questions that I wanted to ask, but I didn't know how to ask. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And so I mean, dude, this. Let me ask you. Um, and I, I think a lot of it has to do, like, uh, like Campos was saying, with the environmentalists, the fucking um, the the tree huggers that. But there's lobbyists in people's ears, you know. There's these motherfuckers saying that, hey, we're going to go uh, do more solar. We want to do more electrical shit. Yeah. You know, and they got their fucking little, they're, they're greasing up the right fucking and, gears in yeah. the government and to if, keep and if, restrictions. Go ahead. And if people like that lobby, and I'm not saying the oil companies don't do this or mm -hmm. they haven't done this in the past, but people like them, the solar and wind energy, when they lobby, they want these regulations on the oil on their competition because you put regulations on their competition it forces people to use them they make money it forces monopolization and so instead of having a free and competitive market and i'm all for all different types of of energies to use but if it's free and competitive it benefits everybody but when you start when you lobby government and put laws in place to prevent somebody from work entering the marketplace or vice versa now you're going to favor somebody and they're going to make tons of money off of it. I mean, Al Gore is almost a billionaire now because he's invested so much money in the, in the uh, wind and wind energy and solar energy and alternative energy because all the lobbying he's done, it benefits him. It's a trip, man. Thinking about like, dude, it's funny how this conversation started off with like, you know, minimum wage and shit like that and, and where we're at with it. I, I love it, dude. This is the type of conversation that I like to have uh, because they're very, um, was sort of, uh very educational you know what i'm saying and it piques my interest yeah. so hopefully it's speaking the interest of other people as well um how do you think this next election is gonna affect the economy you know with uh with our two-party system which is garbage yeah. any of y'all uh so i mean again this goes again it depends on we we've already seen what What's funny, what's interesting about this election is that we have two, two people who are either a current president or a previous president. And so we have the ability to see what one person who's already been president, what they've done and how it's affecting the economy. And then we are currently seeing right now one person who's president and how it's currently affecting the economy. So, you know, if Biden gets reelected, it, all that's going to happen is the same stuff that's happening. And if, if anything, if more Democrats get elected into the Congress, then it's going to embolden him even more push more regulations that they want for one because he has more of his people in congress and two he doesn't have to worry about getting reelected again mm. um i think if trump were to get reelected then 
we're going to return back to what we had when he wasn't president. He'll he'll uplift these executive orders on the oil industry. You'll have we'll start having a boom here. Hopefully, prices of the oil will go down and it'll create jobs. Um, as well as as well as you know other things that he's done. And I don't agree with everything, but mm-hmm. um, I think with Trump being in office, they'll have a much more positive effect. Uh, and then of course there's RFK, who I think for the most part um, will probably have a much more similar effect that Trump will have. But I do think there are some certain things that RFK is pushing for, such as housing and for the average person to have the ability to get home, which will affect the average person more than what it's affecting right now. Like, for example, right now, you got the average the average middle class home that's being built right now. People are paying two thousand dollars for a monthly mortgage. That is ridiculous for for an average everyday home uh, or middle class home. It should be somewhere around under fifteen hundred. Um, but the reason why you don't is because right now we have a monopolization on the uh, basically real estate industry with, uh, through finance. And so that's basically why it's just it's just so damn hard for people to get a home right now. I'll say this. Uh, when Trump was in office, my 401k looked really nice. You know what I'm saying? And um, it seemed the, I think yeah. the only thing that threw now, look, I'm not a MAGA motherfucker. You know what I'm saying? But. I did yeah. enjoy Trump in office, mainly because he made things a lot of fun, like really fun and exciting. And he had motherfuckers on their toes. And my 401k looked really well. The thing that fucked him was the whole COVID shit. That that, that completely destroyed it. Yeah. But I kind of find it funny. Like, yeah. and I don't know if this is just me, um, but Biden taking credit for all these jobs that he's creating. Well, aren't those the same jobs that were just fucking canceled out because of COVID? So he didn't create anything. It's just motherfuckers are going back to work. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, at least that's just my point of view. What you think, Duke? Yeah. Uh, so I I dated a girl. Like, hopefully the wife's upstairs. Uh, she doesn't give a shit. But I I dated a girl um, that was a nurse, right? And um, she said basically that um during covid there was a there was a lot of layoffs so my 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 uncle i have a i've I've talked a lot about my uncle but i have a lot of uncles um i have have a, a large family so i have my uncle david and he was in the army. He was a captain in the army during the same time frame in which I got out. He was mm-hmm. a captain. And uh, he got out. He finished his degree and then got into the workforce. And he's basically into uh, like management of a hospital. So um, I had talked to him about like, oh, these are specific things that like i'm potentially thinking about pursuing and one of the things that i was like thinking about pursuing when i got out of the military was uh the paramedic stuff Mm -hmm. and he said well the hospitals are hiring paramedics as nurses because paramedics like have almost the same training as nurses with significantly less amount of schooling they understand the same things but 
um, they're still hiring them for way more than I'm making now. But it's like you could get hired as a paramedic. Like I make good money now without going to college. Like I have my full GI bill untapped, but I could go to school for two years, become a paramedic. I still have two years of GI bill and get hired in a nursing position in a hospital and do everything that a nurse is doing. I don't know. Cause I know that level, there's different levels of nurses and I don't totally understand right. that, but it's like an entry level paramedic can potentially be hired as what, some hospitals are hiring nurses as and it's like they're they're paying them $50 an hour to deal with patients hmm. um where you know if you were just a nurse and not like a traveling nurse you would make significantly less than that or if you were a traveling nurse you would make significantly more than that um, but it's all because of COVID, right? Like that all, like before that, you wouldn't see a paramedic. Supply and demand. As, yeah. So supply and demand, you wouldn't see a paramedic working in a hospital as a nurse just because it was because we needed them at the yeah. time. And now that door has been opened and I don't even know if they're still doing that. I'm just saying that. That's crazy, though. I mean, can you imagine going to school to become? I mean, I'm wondering what it was uh, equivalent to, you know, being a paramedic. Because I mean, I, I would think that a registered nurse uh, would probably not to shit on paramedics, but probably would feel insulted, you know, to to be compared to uh, to a paramedic. Because like registered yeah. nurses spend a hell out of a lot of time in school, you know. So I, I mean, I. I and I'd like to maybe look into that as well, you know, because I want to see was it like an LP? Because I'm sure there's a shitload of different nurses. Now I'm not I'm not gonna say a paramedic is gonna be the the nurse that wipes asses because they do go through a lot of schooling and a lot of fucking um specialty training. I'm guessing, you know what I'm saying? But to be comp uh, comparable to RN, that's a little a uh, little iffy there, huh? So. Like, there's so many levels to it. Like, I don't know at what level. Like, I don't know if it's a registered nurse level. Mm. Because you... So, on the paramedic side, I because I've looked into it, because I've been considering doing this right. as a career. So, you have your EMT certification, and then you have your paramedic certification. You can become an EMT within 12 months. Like, that's like a long time frame. And then you can become a paramedic within two years. So within two years of your GI Bill, you can become a paramedic. Um, nursing school, I have a, a cousin that is a nurse. And I have a cousin that is like a hospital, like, management and i have an uncle that's like a hospital management and those those schoolings are like eight years to be right. a manager of a hospital is like more like eight but then a nurse from what i understand is like four years two to four years where a 
paramedic or an EMT is like two or one to two years. So it's like, I have a dude that went to school for two years that can make as much as a nurse that went to school for two years. So even if it's like two years, the equivalence level is similar, but then your qualifications at the end maybe aren't like maybe the EMT is like more qualified because they can go off and get jobs that pay just as well as people they got went to school longer. I don't know. I don't know. I think it's like Campo says, supply and demand. And I think that's what I'm going to end up uh, calling this episode here, supply and demand, episode number 300. Gentlemen, it has been about an hour and a half now, and the old lady is home, and she is starting to, you know, uh, let's just say wife, being a wife. Uh, so before we close out, Campo's uh, closing comments from your side. Well, I guess I'll just end it as this. Remember that everything has to do with supply and demand, no matter how you look at it. And wages wages are the same thing. Um, and companies will look at it and apply that same they they apply it the same logic and reason to supply and demand, and that's the reason why or the wages, and that's the reason why we have the problems that we have. Um, so we have to look at it as that. And I think the only problem to to the solution is that, and it's what I've talked about in the past, is that we need a constitutional amendment that defines corporate personhood where the law cannot be forced to look at a artificial person which is a corporation or, or artificial entity and a natural person which is a human being the same right now the supreme court says we have to look at it the same and so we need a constitutional amendment to overrule that so then we can put laws in place where they're not applied equally to everybody for example i think any business business that's incorporated should have uh, a minimum wage but if you're a business like a mom and pop, a sole proprietorship, a partnership that's not incorporated, then the, that law should not apply to you. But as of right now, the the Supreme Court says that all laws have to be equal because all persons are equal. Well, an artificial person is not equal to a natural person. Um, and oh. so that's what that's I think that's that's the solution to the problem. And if that were to happen, I think we'd have a lot more people working together on both sides of the aisle and just people in general. Right on. I appreciate that, Campos. Duke, any closing comments on your end? You know, mine are not as deep as um, as his because I, I I just don't know what to say. But what I will like to say is like congratulations on episode three hundred. Oh, and, appreciate uh, that. <laughs> no, that's that's awesome. That's a huge accomplishment. Um, and uh you know i uh hope many more to come and you can ask me on any time and hopefully uh i'll see compost on in the future with when, when i'm on i'm sure he's been on many more episodes than i have but we could all get together again in maybe two more episodes uh it took us forever and a day compost we were trying to get him on here for a hot minute but no um honestly i, I appreciate that man uh episode 300 i've been doing this almost four years now this year is four years that i started doing this damn thing and um it uh it's, it's a slow and steady pace you know what i'm saying motherfuckers there's others that blow up quickly but just as quick as they blow up they fizzle out i'd rather just take my time you know, get the base of the people who actually want to listen to it. Is every fucking podcast going to be a banger? Nah, it's not, you know, 
But I mean, every podcast can be somewhat informative. So, but with that being said, Campos, thank you very much. Duke, thank you very much. I knew that this combination here would be good. You know what? Uh, it's funny because what came to fucking mind right now while Campos was talking was, dude, when AI is, you know, finally out there, is there going to be a constitution made for them? Are they going to have specific rights for them? Being that they're artificial intelligence, being that they learn on the go. When do we humanize them, per se? You know what I'm saying? That right there started fucking with me when he said that shit. And um, I think that's right around the corner, y'all. I think that's our next motherfucking form of evolution. And, you know, like last time when we were talking, Duke, um, I think all those um, camps and shit like that that they're making, like FEMA camps and whatnot, they're going to end up putting us in there. By I mean they, I mean AI. They're going to end up taking over and fucking putting us to work there, and we're going to be their motherfucking slaves, yo. Especially you, with those smart cities. Uh, that's what I was going to say. Have you, like, talked to Compos? Like, you're here. Have you Have you guys discussed that? You know what I mean? Like, the, like the World Economic Forum uh, website and, like, so BlackRock and Vanguard, they're all... Yeah. Like leaders in, uh, fuck, what's his name? Um, I can't think of it. He's uh, Bill Gates. He, they're all on the board of yeah. World Economic Forum. Like Clash those, Wobbles. yeah. So he knows. So uh, Compost knows those statistics that I was talking to you about are implemented or like ideas of all of these people, like Bill Gates is on the board of directors of the World Economic Forum, the website I was telling you about. Yeah. And like um, BlackRock, like if you don't know about it, like do some research on it. The, the, all those dudes are like the most wealthy people in the world. Black and they're the ones, like the, the richest people in the world, they're the ones that want to limit you on how, like the number of, vehicles and clothes that you have like it's insane like the statistics that they've put out black blackrock's the number one company that has the uh, monopoly on the financing of real estate right now yeah so they're they're buying up homes and shit yeah. like they they don't want yeah. you to then, own yeah. your own home they they want you to like yeah, they don't they they want you to buy from them and they want you to live in the city and they want you to, you know, fucking shop 25 minutes or not even 25, like 10 to 15 minutes from your home, work 10 to 15 minutes from your home. Like, what do you and, know about this Campos? I mean, like, um, like what he's talking about, have you heard about this thing? So it, yeah, it's uh, okay. So there's, there's one, we go all day out this, but I'll try to make it quick. So there's one you ought to look up called Agenda 21, uh, United United yeah. Nations Agenda 21. That's probably the best place you can start. Um, but then with, 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 with what he's talking about, Economic Forum, their plans with it, and then with, with them using uh, BlackRock right now, BlackRock right now has the, is the largest monopoly on real estate right now. When you look at the country right now, like for example, the town I live in, Council Bluffs, you go in the middle of Council Bluffs and all these homes, you see homes that were built 50, 45 years ago that right now would probably be worth like a hundred thousand dollars 
and they're not that big they're not that small those are perfect homes for like a start a starting couple or something mm-hmm. to start you know starting like 21 years old starting with a good job the average person can't even, they're not building homes like that anymore they're building these brand new homes that are bigger that you basically have to be making a certain amount of money you got to be making at least about eighty thousand dollars a year if not a hundred thousand just to afford a middle class home because right. those are the only types of homes that they're building and and when they're not building anymore it, it lessens the supply of it and so even the homes that are smaller which are very small uh, supply when those homes do become on the on the market they go up because you have like 50 people at one time wanting to buy that home and when that home was probably originally like maybe seventy-five thousand, or in a normal market normal balance mm-hmm. market situation probably worth like 75 100 000, they're selling it for 250 300 000. and um, then they could all the fuck around with the interest in, on that as well then too right and and yeah exactly and that's what blackrock's doing um and so with that said the agenda of that is is that you only have a certain amount of people who are making a certain amount of money being able to live in a, live and own a home and then everybody else they want living in an apartment complex who can afford that. it and basically again this goes back this goes back to what i've talked about before about you know the way we look at wages we shouldn't be looking at a society a truly free society shouldn't be based on wage because uh, you're a subject when, when, you, when you're when your livelihood is based on a way you're a subject it should be based on ownership and so just like everybody should be able to own their own home that's ownership mm-hmm. you're independent okay same thing with with uh with having a job it shouldn't be about jobs it should be about you owning either start starting something either apprenticeship or something or from your family and then when you're when your mom and dad die or whatever you take it over or you start your own business or right. if you like live out in the country you live out on a farm small family farm when the parents go, then you take it over. There's independent, there's freedom, there's independence with that, there's responsibility. We don't have that anymore. They don't, these the people, the powers that be, they don't want people who can think. They want workers, they want people dumbed down. Right. Because people who think for themselves are people who don't want to work for other people and people want to get paid. They want to be independent and freedom. And so that's what at the end of the day, that's what the agenda is. And so that's that's what they're doing with the housing. They want everybody living in an apartment complex paying rent they don't want people uh owning their home own homes except for people who make a certain amount of money right well we're gonna have to pause it here gentlemen uh i think that this is definitely yeah. a good place to pick up on the next conversation with you two i would be of course glad to have you both on here and uh maybe you could expound a little bit more on that what you call it, agenda 21 is that what agenda, you called it united nations agenda 21 maybe we united nations agenda 21 i think right. there's a there's a book about it uh in multiple a, books uh, if there's, well, a, there's book, a campos got it i'll tell you that <laughs> yeah yeah there's totally. mo- there's mo- there's multiple there's multiple books on that there's multiple but bo- but you can google it and just look it up well there's the um fictional book uh where it's a story of uh what would happen if these laws were in place or were to continue so so um so, I don't know what it's called. So, like one thing, one big thing that they're doing in the cities right now, you may notice this, is that in, in a lot of these big cities, especially Austin, especially Austin, they're building the, my friend calls them pack and stack. They're building these big, huge like apartment complexes and then they're putting businesses at the bottom. That's all part of Agenda 21 because they want everybody compartmentalized and packed in into the cities. Mm. Because when you have people like that, it's easier to control them. Right. Kind of like that. But in, that's in failing. Asia. That's failing yeah but it's it's really big in austin but um they're doing it everywhere but the thing is is that's failing 
<laughs> it's so funny it's because they've been doing it for the last like 10 years and and, and many places it's failing because because some of these people can't afford the, right. the prices and some of these businesses that are under and then not only that it limits the parking it limits so bad so it's not like a, a regular store where you can just drive up there's a parking lot you have to mm -hmm. park two three blocks away who the hell's gonna want to park two three blocks away <laughs> have to walk two three right. blocks to, to, to buy something it's it, it's it's completely nonsense it's failing all right gentlemen I, I appreciate y'all uh, for being here today with me on the gun line. Gentlemen, it was yeah. definitely uh, a, a lot better than I um, – I got to stay quiet most of the time, which is fucking awesome because <laughs> I'm sure people are trying to fucking hear in my voice. So, Duke, Campos, I'm going to get with y'all, um, see when we can do this again. And, you know, you guys you guys are have the conversations that I want to have, you know what I mean, that just blow my fucking mind they fucking do and um i really want to thank you duke again i want to for last minute like literally last minute i reached out to duke like hey man what are you doing tonight and uh he said hey i'm gonna be home early maybe you know what you need and he decided to come on down and um i needed somebody else with a little more intellect than me to challenge campus because i know that I'm retarded, you know, again, pull string, go boom. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, but um, yeah, dude, uh, Duke, thank you for being here. Campos, thank you for being here. Uh, we will redo this again. Yep. Uh, by the way, this year for all my new people that are listening, um, we're going to be coming a new, up with a new segment this year. It's going to be called Word on the Street. And, uh, but that's more to follow on that. Uh, if you haven't watched yet, you know, I got this other little on the gun line presents Vetbro reacts. I dropped one of those today, today, uh, today. So, but this is tomorrow. So yeah, yesterday, let that fuck with your brain. However it does. Anywho, um, uh, other than that, man, I don't have much else except for, I appreciate you guys hanging out with us, having a conversation that we would out in the field. I hope y'all got something out of it. If you have any questions, feel free to hit us up here on the gunline at gmail.com. Put them inside the comments on the YouTube or if you have me on the social medias, which is Instagram and the Tickety Talk, you know, feel free to DM me there. But um, yeah, man, uh, Roland, I know you're going to be the first one to fucking uh, hit me up over here saying that's my boy Duke. I could already see that happening. So <laughs> uh, shout out to Roland for putting me in touch with Duke. And um, shout out to Campos for always being there to let me, let's talk about this. Talk about that. This motherfucker be blowing me up with some motherfucking YouTubes. <laughs> so <laughs> I appreciate it, y'all. Uh, anything uh, before we go, gentlemen? No, nah, I'm uh, good. That's about it. Just Google. If you want to know more, just Google Agenda 21. Oh, I'm going to because that's going to be the next conversation we're all going to have is going to be Agenda 21. And that way, um, I'm a little more versed in it, so I could participate some more. But honestly, um, it was really good. Duke, don't ever feel like you need to apologize for asking questions, bro. This podcast is all of ours. All right, um, just just because I'm not talking doesn't mean that y'all can't talk. You know what I'm saying? That's the best thing about this open forum, because you're asking questions that maybe I can't think of, but somebody else is probably thinking about it in the car. And they're like, oh, that motherfucker got me. You know what I'm saying? So that's good shit. And Campos, I love the way you break shit down Barney style for a motherfucker like me. Uh, so you are good to go. Good thing I'm not smoking weed right now because I'd be fucking whoo-wee. I'd be on one. But with that being said, gentlemen, it's been a pleasure. You all have yourself a good night. Have a good week. Happy New Year to you all, by the way. 
uh happy christmas happy belated um and 2024 has started out solid with um you know with the cat williams motherfucking uh interview with the bass pro shop guy jumping up in there uh with uh the epstein list that we're still waiting to see who else is up on that bitch <laughs> so yeah overall now the tapes now they're talking about tapes bring them out bring them out bring them out all right gentlemen with that being said uh it's been uh one hour 43 minutes and i think i filled up enough time to get it down to an hour and 45 total rounds complete and mission gun line out march order y'all deuces